So I'd gotten wind uh, that an election had been rigged. A man by the name of Mark Thruss in San Francisco had actually uh, worked with a, a huge digital forensics team, and they ended up um, putting some bad information about their opponent in there to not just rig the election, but to also uh, take advantage of uh, a backdoor in, in some of the voting machines and everything. They were trying to actually outright rig the election and everything. <coughs> and they had, had a local company. It was a, kind of like a dot-com company named Invites, the name of the company, that uh, had actually been funding uh, the group, or fun funding Mark, in order to basically get him into a position of power and everything. Now, I myself, I, I'm not fond of elections and polit politics and officials like that, but what I'm also even less fond of is basically people... I don't know. I mean, not giving them a voice is one thing, but the whole laundry list of manipulation of people, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just, uh, I did, I just didn't like one of the guys that was involved with in it altogether. So, this is the interesting thing, you know, about, uh, about security teams. He had a whole bunch of people over at his place. It's in a penthouse down in downtown San Francisco. <laughs> security guards and that kind of stuff watching over some of the work that he was doing and everything and uh they had been a private security firm that was specifically singled out by this uh this corporation and for me i'm not the type of person that believes everybody is um that corporations are are evil you know that uh they're inherently evil in themselves there's a, a lot of people that apparently do but i myself i'm not of that opinion i've worked for a lot of them throughout my life and everything and i've worked for some great companies and some great people and i've worked for some not so great companies and some not so great people you know it's it's no different than the real world there's shitheads and assholes and there's also wonderful people you know so um, when it comes down to it, you know, just because a company is involved in this, you know, um, doesn't necessarily make it evil, but the way that they're going about it isn't the right way. That's the way I look at it. You know, there's, there's, it's not necessarily saying that there's legitimate ways to do things. I'm certainly not against underhanded measures to be used in everything, but when you're putting, when you're doing hacking things, um, in... And they're attempting to leveraging hacking mechanisms in order to basically get the upper hand. For me, it's just like, I I will spot that. And uh, when I do spot it, I also like sending a pretty strong message. Do better. I'm not saying don't do it. You know, so in this case, you know, putting a virus into voting machines and, you know, trying to subvert the election. I'm not saying, I'm not like some pro um, you know, voter. The only time I voted in my life was, uh, was really with the Obama election and everything. And for the most part, you know, I, I view voting as, you know, one of those things that, sure, you can do if it makes you feel like it gives you a voice. But for me, I've got a powerful voice without having to vote, you know, and, and I don't need to go to the polls and everything or be able to get that voice to be heard and everything. So, in any case, um, you know, the way I looked at, at what they did it wasn't necessarily evil. Rigging an election, um, 
I don't look at that as a bad thing. But rigging election and me catching you, um, all I'm saying is you can do better. <laughs> so, and, and that's kind of the message that I ended up sending sending at this point. So I ended up um, leveraging my remote devices and that kind of stuff and uh, ended up setting up a perimeter. Um, all the cameras were hackable inside his, uh, inside his facility and the security guards were, they were part of a, a team that I've, I can't say I've, I've worked with them before, but I have dealt with them before and they're pretty easy to deal with and everything. Now, one of the things I end up, um, I've been using a lot at my disposal and everything is, uh, there's a lot of gang warfare that's currently going on over in, uh, over in San Francisco, and, um, it's, it's pretty easy to pit one gang against the other. Um, I've got the capability to be able to synthesize voices using a sample. So all it takes is basically 20 to 30 seconds of somebody's voice as a sample, and I can actually um, create a, a pretty accurate um, pretty accurate recreation of their voice saying anything that I want them to. And uh, I have leveraged that extensively to basically pit gangs against gangs um, over in... Uh, over in San Francisco, and the whole goal is to just basically get them to eliminate themselves. Um, it's not that, you know, what I don't like is is a gang openly calling themselves a gang. It, it really is that image. You know, um, the Bloods, the Crips, the, you know, um, if you're going to have a gang, give it a legitimate name, you know. Make it a company name. Make it so where you fit into the landscape. You know, I don't... It's not that I'm saying don't do criminal activity. You know, um, I'm just saying if you're going to resort to criminal activity, you know, try to make it seem legitimate. Plain and simple. You know, it's, it's like this. Um, Back in the 1910s uh, through uh, basically anywhere between the turn of the 19th century to about 1920-1930, uh, you had a real problem with uh, the legitimacy of uh, pharmaceutical-type medication and everything. You had a lot of, uh, a lot of people fly-by-night, um, people that would be going through and actually selling their, their chemicals um, out of the back of Canastogas still back then. Or Conestogas, um, you know, just basically horse-drawn carriages and that kind of stuff. And this happened all the way up until the 1920s, 1930s, where the invention of the Model T actually did change things from a supply chain perspective. And at that point, that's actually when pharmaceutical companies started getting smart. Um, they started truly, this is the dawn of pharmaceutical companies, where they ended up uh, at that point focusing less on trying to actually portray their wares, you know, out in them out of the back of a horse-drawn carriage and instead just basically started working on the marketing campaign. And I will go so far to say that it was pharmaceuticals that led the Industrial Revolution and helped pull the United States um, out of the Depression. Now, most people attribute it to FDR's wonderful tactics and everything, not me. You know, I believe that to some degree it was pharmaceuticals and, and the, um, the dependence on a on a fast supply chain to be able to produce and distribute things on a, on a wide basis and everything. 
you know, so they ended up very quickly converting over, you know, and uh, and it's not just limited to pharmaceuticals. It's also um, anything that, uh, you know, helps the mind and it alleviates not necessarily the pain, but uh, helps somebody think differently to, to take themselves out of this world and this reality, if, if ever so briefly, <clears throat> just so they could go back and do what they were doing the, the day after that. <clears throat> so alcohol is clearly in this little uh, list as well, and so is weed and things like that, and that's actually the dawn of the black market and the modern black market when it comes down to drugs and, you know, drugs and that kind of stuff. But it's my belief that pharmaceuticals are single-handedly responsible for bringing this country out of the Great Depression. It wasn't World War II. It was actually... You know, it wasn't the advent of war and having to actually help other countries because that alone is actually what caused a depletion of our funds and everything. But still, we had enough to not just recover from that, but to also surge ahead of every nation. And a lot of it came down to, you know, the ability for pharmaceutical companies at that time to be able to help supply people, not just for, you know, not just for the aches and pains, but you know, to basically help people feel better about themselves and everything. You know, so where everything from morphine to cocaine to that kind of stuff, well, unfortunately, you know, the FDA and everything started coming around, locking, cracking down on things that actually make people feel good by the 1960s and 1970s. And uh, at that point, you have, you know, basically a, a dependent economy that uh, has, that only leverages drugs in order to actually, um, you know, only when you're in pain or having issues or something like that. You know, it's a, it's a subversive way by other countries that don't like drugs to basically try to eliminate the drug, the dependence on drugs and more or less, uh, you know, take control of this country from alternative mechanisms. So, anyways, I'm taking a very, very circuitous route to, you know, to explain what's happened today. But Mark Thruss, that's the guy's name, Mark T-H-R-U-S-S. Um, he he just basically is a wealthy businessman, and he's a United States congressman that he was going to lose the election. And he had planned to leverage uh, these, is an embedded operating system to rig the election as his favor, and uh, he ended up uh, leveraging a couple people. And he, he basically openly, um, behind closed doors, referred to people as sheeple. Well... I'm not a fan. I'm I'm just not a fan of somebody manipulating people and just, you know, turning and basically elevating, you know, putting others down to elevate yourself. That's something that just it really grates me the wrong way. You know, I mean, I'm it, it's not that I don't I don't like politicians. I don't like politicians that have that intentionally um undermine and make others feel inferior to make themselves superior. So, I don't care what you think. You know, if you think that you're superior, that's fine. But if you, if you actually have no self-control and actually voice those thoughts out loud, uh, at that point it starts getting a little bit difficult for me. You know, so it wasn't just that that put me, you know, put him in, in my my firing crosshairs, you know, it was the fact that Invite, which is, um, oh, what does Invite do? I'm find a good way to describe what they do. Invite company. Okay. 
Um, I mean, it's a social network, and it's it's a lot like Twitter and Facebook combined. So, they have a great deal of data on people. So, and uh, the CEO for the company is Mary Catskill. And she was one of the ones that was actually had Mark Thrust under her, under her thumb. Now, that's actually part of the problem that I have was, you know, first off, Mary and herself, she's kind of a, a vicious girl. Um, and then, you know, to basically take a, a congressman like this, who he, he's not, he's not nice to people behind closed doors. And then Mary's even worse, you know. So combine the two together, it's just like this just isn't good, you know. Just not good at all. So in any case, um, I just basically wanted to make their stuff go public, and uh, wanted to make it uh, clear that uh, that's why these people aren't, I mean, just good people altogether. So I ended up, um, while they were having their campaign meeting, uh, literally days before they, uh, they were rigging the elections and working with the, um, the invite engineers to create this virus to actually put it on these uh, the machines that they ended up, the voting machines and everything that they actually had um, stored away at a uh, local facility and everything, um, I ended up uh, breaking in and putting an exploit in that basically reverse engineered the uh, reverse engineered the virus and ended up uh, putting in my own virus, which tipped the balance firmly back to the middle and uh, more or less made it a fair vote. Now, in the process of doing this, uh, part of the fun that I have in, in doing some of these things. You know, is breaking in to the places without being seen and without being heard. And uh, not only that, but basically, um, in a lot of cases, a lot of these places, particularly when they're dealing with high-tech high tech types of institutions and that kind of stuff, they'll, what they'll have in place is basically systems that will, um, they'll stop you, they'll prevent you uh, from from making alterations and changes within their systems and everything, and will actually ring an alert, you know, and this is particularly, you know, difficult, and it'll ring alert instantly to the security company that's actually staffing the area and everything. You know, so think about it like this. Let's say you've got a house, and uh, you purchase protection and that kind of stuff. Well, that house, you know, let's say, you know, the, the door's been open. They put sensors on the windows. They put sensors on the doors. Um, they put sensors, um, you know, motion de detection sensors. So basically, they could see if, if the door has actually been, been made to go ajar and everything. They can tell if the window's been open because, you know, it, it's basically got magnetic sensors that if that magnetism is actually, you know, it loses the uh, circuit, boom, at that point it triggers the alarm. Well, it has motion sensors in the house and everything too, so when you're walking through the house at that point, you know, it'll pick up and detect whether or not something's moving, and it'll also be able to detect whether or not it's bigger than the dog too. So, 
um, typically most of those uh, alarms um, have a, a 20 to 30 second window before they actually notify the, um, the alarm company. At that point, uh, that alarm company will turn around and very quickly, you know, determine if it's, uh, if it's actually a false alarm or not. They've got, they've got some ways that, uh, you know, some things that, that the, at their disposal and everything, and typically it starts with a phone call to the to the household owner, and uh, at that point, if the household owner doesn't answer, or if the household household owner answers and is away, at that point the uh, alarm company will immediately call the police and everything. So there's a whole cascade of different things that happen for a common scenario when it comes down to the house alarms. Um, office alarms and uh, particularly public figure alarms aren't that much different. It's on a larger scale, you know, particularly if somebody has security detail and that kind of stuff. So typically um, congressmen and, uh, and anybody that's, you know, in a presidential type election or president or vice president has has security that's involved with them and and normally it's three um depending on on the elect the official and everything you know if it's if it's like a senator or something like that they'll have anywhere between three three people minimum um up to ten people depending depending on how large the state that they're representing and and the population and uh and all of that but you know the perceived threat to that individual as well presidential elections is is a whole different beast altogether you know basically the moment that somebody actually gets into um, being, you know, considered for for candidacy and everything, immediately the Secret Service is actually involved with them um, on a disassociated basis. I mean, the Secret Service doesn't get involved with any of these people unless, until they become directly, un, until they become the president themselves, but they become disassociatedly uh, involved with them. Um, from a distance and everything, and uh, they start. They basically, they get on the president's or on their on the uh, on the Secret Service's radar the moment they're being considered for any kind of uh, presidential position or something like that. So once they get into, you know, into the primaries, you know, for Republican or Democrat or whatever party that they're actually representing, those are the only two right now. At that point, they end up turning around, and Secret Service gets involved, and at that point, security details actually assigned to them 24-7 typically involves three people minimum, and like I said, it's it's up to ten people, and then all of a sudden, they get in, if they're representing their party, you know, whether or not it's a Republican or Democrat, and they're one of two final candidates and everything that's being considered, well, you, there's any number of different people that are actually involved in the security of that individual at all times. So, and the same thing is, is basically true of, uh, of senators as well. You know, senators can have um, almost as much power as a, uh, as a president does at times. And, um, you know, this, this is true for, for almost all elected officials. That's actually what's kind of surprising and everything. So that's, that's why security is pretty important for these officials and everything. So, in Mark's case, he had a a detail of uh, basically three appointed security guards, along with a 
probably maybe about half a dozen others that had actually been hired by uh, by invite um, just prior to the election and everything to basically keep his his uh, penthouse apartment on top of his building um, free and clear of people and everything and the man's wealthy you know don't get me wrong and and he's you know kind of like a self self-built we- built wealth you know so I do have respect for the man from that perspective you know but when when that wealth is acquired you know um, it doesn't entitle you, you know, to basically have total disdain for anybody that's uh, that's not as wealthy as you. You know, the way I look at it is uh, you respect the people that actually got you to your position, period, end of story. You know, um, selectively, there may be some people that you consider inferior, you know, but as a wide swath of people and everything, just basically saying they're all fucking idiots or they're all fucking morons or in his case, they're all sheeple, you know. Uh, these are derogatory statements that they reflect on you, you know, and not only that, but I will hold you accountable. So, in any case, um, the apartments next to him were under construction, so I I did a little bit of a different hack this time in order to get in, and uh, what I did was I set up a, a drone a quadricopter on a uh, distant relay, and it ended up uh, hovering around his building, and uh, what I did was I put it in circle route, um, right around his uh, building, so it was basically orbiting uh, his uh, his building, I would, like I said, I was trying, I don't have the orbit function in there, but um, whenever, what I'll do is I'll, I'll constantly switch between the ground-based drone um, that needed direct access to the USB systems in in, uh, in his computer systems now to uh, to be able to get that virus from his system that had actually been secured on a local local basically it was segmented from from the network altogether so I couldn't remotely hack it so I had to get physical access to the machine well the guy has nine security guards you know and uh, you know and not only that but he has uh, probably about two dozen people that are working for him. You know, and uh, six of them, seven of them are, you know, pretty good with IT shit and everything that are working directly in his penthouse, uh, you know, his penthouse. So the place is full. So I'm sitting there going, how the fuck do I get in there? As I'm going through this, I'm, I end up seeing, um, you know, just basically, like I said from yesterday... I've got satellite access, you know, to the area now, and uh, the satellite access uh, gives me a full view on a real-time basis and everything, and I ended up seeing there was uh, two uh, two cranes on uh, one that was actually doing partial construction for part of the building that was attached to his, and uh, the other one was uh, was on the adjacent building. Well, I got a brilliant idea. Hey, I'll pick myself up from the ground level, you know, to take myself up to the adjacent building, you know, with one crane. And uh, and this is all through a, a remote hack. Every crane is operable from a distance and everything. Um, and uh, so that's the beautiful thing about electronic equipment. I can tap into any of it. And uh, from there, I ended up um, leveraging that one crane to take me to a certain level, the other crane that was on top of the other building, to get me to an even higher level. And we're talking about 40 stories here. Um, I ended up uh, taking that, and I ended up putting myself literally um, a couple floors underneath uh, his facility. At that point, I ended up shooting my... um, 
my quadricopter drone. And uh, basically, like I said, I had it orbiting uh, his building, um, his penthouse. I mean, it's on the very top of his building and everything. And uh, at, at what I ended up doing was I ended up camouflaging the uh, the drone. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the capability to be able to uh, to cloak it altogether. Um, cloaking technology does exist, by the way. Don't uh, don't go thinking it it doesn't. But uh, you can actually physically. Cloak, a, um, cloak at leveraging basically light bending technology and everything. Now, I don't have that kind of gear yet, and uh, I'm working on it, but uh, what I do have is the capability to be able to uh, look at the sky color and very quickly take some spray paint out and uh, paint my device and everything, you know, with the proper mask, and I had already applied the mask and everything and just ripped off the mask before I ended up throwing it up. And, uh, yeah, I just did a background, uh, a look at the background, said, okay, you know, here's the color, matched it, and, uh, you know, at that point, uh, I actually had the computer second-guess me, because it, uh, I like making sure, you know, that the color, my, what I'm seeing for color is the same thing that I'm going to be applying, and it's the best for it, and sure enough, you know, I had, uh, what was it, uh, 6, 12, um, 18 different colors to, uh, to select from, all of them, you know, shades of white and blue and that kind of stuff. And um, at that point, once I ended up doing that, I would have been fucked if it was a rainy day, that's for sure. But fortunately, it wasn't. And, uh, yeah, I just ended up uh, taking it and, and uh, putting, you know, putting the, the shade of whitish blue on it. And at that point, uh, you couldn't see the, the drone. And it was far enough away that you couldn't hear it, particularly with the wind. I mean, it was pretty, uh, it was kind of windy when I was doing this. And just basically, I put it up into a fixed position that uh, looked uh, directly at um, Mr. Thrust himself working with, um, you know, with Mary. And I, at that point, I ended up uh, taking the drone. And the cool thing was, the roof wasn't guarded. So, I, you know, for some reason, they think that nobody's going to come on the roof and everything. Well, I mean, why would they, right? You know? little do they realize, hey, somebody's got access to a crane, and they're actually taking, you know, and the first thing I thought was, well, hey, I'm going to go do this myself, and, you know, see if I could sneak into the facility, but once I saw that there was nine, nine different security guards alone, and 35 people in there, which, you know, sure, I know that 20 of them aren't really going to be paying attention, you know, to the people that are around them, but two people in particular, Mary and, uh, and Mark might be a little bit more paranoid, you know, so, and, uh, the computer that I had to access was literally right around him, so, anyways, what I ended up doing was I threw my, uh, ground-based drum, um, one of the heavier-duty ones onto the, uh, the crane, the, the second crane, the one that was a little higher up, took the crane all the way up, as high as I could and everything, and then slowly let it down, you know, I didn't want to crash on the, uh, roof too loud, lest I, you know, the walls are too thin, or the roof is too thin, and they actually hear it. Uh, I don't think they would have, but, you know, in any case, I set it down pretty lightly on top of that building. And uh, the crane cage, the thing that carried the drone over there. And me, I got to work from a distance. Now, they had probably about a dozen cameras throughout their uh, their little... You know, basically, it's a three-story apart, uh, three-story penthouse on top of this building and everything. And um, what I ended up doing was uh, leveraging one of the uh, what they had was a uh, patio that uh, I ended up jumping off from 
um, and that patio was accessible from the roof. And that's the only reason I was able to do this as well as I did. So basically, the penthouse uh, was slightly sloped for, I'd say, um, it had a pool on one level. It had, uh, it, it basically, you can overlook each successive floor, which made it real easy for me. You know, and uh, the problem I had was them seeing the crane. So what I ended up doing was, uh, at that point, I put a few distractions in by leveraging a hack for my uh, my one drone. I ended up uh, leveraging the quadcopter um, to piggyback into a camera and uh, and also one of the doors. And one of the doors um, actually had... This is one of the weird things that uh, that, that comes with some of these automatically opening and closing doors is they actually have um, something that makes a noise in them. Noisemakers. You know, they're... I don't... I don't know if they're doing this intentionally, you know, or or what, you know, but, uh, so basically you've got card readers that actually go on doors, on some secured doors. On other secured doors, particularly in some of the higher, higher-end people's places and everything, they automatically op open and automatically close, and they've got a device that sits and actually has motion detection to basically, you know, tell whether or not somebody's at that door and everything. Well, the cool thing is you can actually hack it. Not all of them have speakers, but they have um, they have a series of movements that you can do or a series of different codes that you can do to literally get it to crackle. So that's the cool thing about some of the hacks that I can do is, you know, it, it exploits some of the circuitry to basically make it so where the things make noises and that will call attention. So that's actually what I ended up doing was basically those the one of the door had one of those exploits um, over on the far side, away from where I was actually dropping the crane. So I dropped the crane down. I ended up uh, you know taking the drone and setting that down. At the same time I was doing this, I was ping ponging back and forth between that and a quadcopter. Had the quadcopter target the door. Um, at that point, I can actually uh, go do that exploit for the for the sound and everything, and I did that for a couple of the doors in order to lead the the two security guards that were on the outside to the inside to investigate the noises that were being made and everything. And uh, at that point, I didn't want to be too obvious with it, you know. Um, particularly, I didn't want want this to happen around a door that Mark or or um, or Mary was around, you know, because I knew that they're going to be out right paranoid and everything with some of the things that are going on around them you know particularly mary you know she sees something like this and hears hey not only does is one door doing it but two i don't even want her to hear one so i ended up doing it for you know for a door that would intentionally lead the secu the, the one security guard away from the, the area um and away from mark and mary and the other security guard, he was on the lower level, so I didn't have to worry about him. But I still had to worry about him seeing what I was doing and everything. Now, I'm not worried about the employees. They're kind of like, employees, in my opinion, um, typically aren't aren't as watchful. You know, and this isn't to demean them. It's just basically saying if you're working for somebody, you know... Um, it's typical that if you see construction stuff going around you, you know, that uh, you typically don't really question things. And even if you do, you know, you're typically going to be too intimidated by your boss and managers in order to actually go up and, and you know, ask them 
about something, particularly if if you're if you feel like you're being paranoid. And this is actually what I've noticed about people in paranoia. People who are paranoid have a tendency um, not to vocalize their paranoia to other people, you know, because they themselves question, "Am I being paranoid?" You know, I don't want to feel paranoid. Well, at that point, that that literally prevents them. You know, and this is something of, a, of an oversight I've seen with people's behavior. So, in the case that, that I've still got five employees that are doing miscellaneous things out, out on the balcony and everything, you know, um, they're not going to see me drop the drum. They're going to see the crane go to the roof and everything. You know, but you've got two cranes that are in this area. Are, are employees really going to say anything? Not really. Security guards, maybe. And that's why it was so essential that I got to the two security guards inside. So, anyways, yeah, it worked like a champ. You know, I I had uh, you know, had the two doors going off, and the cool thing was the two doors were literally one on top of the other, um, two floors, and it got both security guards to go investigate it. And the moment that they started walking away, um, this happened only once while I was getting that uh, crane back over to that point before I shifted it in the other direction to take it completely away from the building. Um, at that point, they ended up uh, starting to walk away back towards where their post was, and all of a sudden I did it again. So both of them, fortunately, walked right back to the you know to the location to go check it out. And by that point, I'm taking the uh, taking the crane away. And it's cool, I mean, you know, having remote control of it, you know, and I can actually see the thing from the quadcopter's perspective to basically make sure I get it down as fast as possible. So, in any case, um, I ended up, I had two devices I actually had to hook up with. One was his own security system. So I just basically want to um, have complete access to it from a physical perspective and everything just in case they ended up trying to re-secure it and everything. And the secondary thing was, um, you know, part of that that was to basically make it so where I can leverage his own internal security system to do other exploits just in case. So I had that capability before, but I didn't have physical access to the hardware. And this is the first time I've actually had physical access to it. And the other one was a laptop that he had uh, sitting on, uh, sitting right next to his TV that actually had the uh, the virus on it. And um, I was concerned the whole time before I ended up getting to it, you know, that the either Mary or uh, or Mark might walk over and and go to pick it up and everything. Now I knew that it was on, you know, because I, I had the quadcopter and I had. Uh, at this point, you know, I saw that it was plugged in and everything. Now, just because, you know, this is actually something that most people don't know about computer systems. Just be, just because a, p- a computer laptop may be closed or a PC may be turned off, um, there's something called Boot P. And Boot P allows me to basically um, leverage a physical device like a USB or LAN connection or something like that and to send a command through this physical attachment to, in a literal sense, wake it up and to power it on. So that boot P command is is fucking awesome, particularly when you've got a laptop that's turned off that 
may be plugged in, you know, so it's not completely without power, but because the lid's closed, it's basically responding, you know, and it's not, not accepting user commands or anything like that. So from a remote perspective, it's kind of a bitch, you know. Um, now, I can, I can sometimes send the commands wirelessly, you know, um, but I have to be within proximity, and that's one of the cru crucial factors of this. So that's the first thing I tried doing was sending a boot p command by wireless signal to the thing, and no, that had actually been uh, been prevented um, because of the uh, what the engineers did. They were pretty good, pretty cautious, and they just wanted to make sure that uh, you know. I mean, I don't know if they knew about the exploits at the uh, at the at the land level. So, anyways, I got my drone. Um, onto the roof and I bounced it off the uh, off the first uh, first floor um, and what I ended up doing or not the first floor the top floor uh, the top floor patio and there was two people that were over there and I had a uh, there's two there's two sliding doors that I had had the option to go through and I needed them you know to I had to wait for them to walk to one set of sliding doors, and uh, I did something, one of my favorite things to do. I sent them both text messages at the same time, and at this point, you know, made sure, you know, that uh, that they were both not paying attention to this thing. And, and the cool thing about my drone is you can't hear it even if it bounces, you know, off the ground and everything, because the way I've got this uh, high-performance rubber on the tires that basically makes it so where you, it, it's almost like a padding. <coughs> so, anyways, it bounces, comes from the roof, bounces on the ground, right as both of them have amplified sounds coming out from their text message. So what I did was I did a text message, but I did it both very loudly, too. So and both of them, fortunately, had their phones in their hands, you know, so all they're hearing at the same exact time that my I, I timed it perfectly too so where my drone ended up hitting the ground and at that point I, I timed it so where you you know the sound was masked by the uh, their phones going off and at that point I zipped the drone in just in case they did happen to hear it unfortunately they didn't now the uh, the computer that I was targeting was on the second floor and uh, had three security guards on the top level um, three at the middle and three at the lowest. So altogether, that's what I was talking about, was nine different security guards, too. Now, um, one of them for each side was basically on the other side of the building, so I wasn't too worried. You know, they just basically had, you know, kind of like one roaming, one that was on one side of the building, the other one that was on the other side of the building, and uh, one roaming for each floor. <coughs> so I just had to make sure I had it timed so where the roaming one wasn't there. And uh, as far as the roaming one for the for the top floor, or the, uh, the one that was on the other end, fortunately he, you know, he was actually looking out the window, and uh, at that point, you know, I was kind of worried that he was looking at the quadcopter and everything. And he didn't even, you know, he was inside the building, so he didn't even hear the thing plop down on the patio. So that worked out pretty brilliantly. I got lucky on that one. And anyways, zipped in. And uh, the cool thing about the motor on the, uh, the ground-based drum is uh, it's super quiet. It's whisper quiet. So it's made intentionally. I mean, hell, like I said, the thing cost $65,000. So I ended up zipping in real fast and ended up coming in and uh, just basically zipping right through behind him. Um, at this point, I had timed it also so where 
the both the top security guard and the bottom security guard were over on the other side of the building. So fortunately, I managed to zip right down the stairs, and I ended up uh, doing a little noise on one of the doors and everything. Um, and at this point, that's actually what I was a little bit worried about, was uh, that noise by the door might uh, might actually get there, get Mark and Mary's uh, attention and everything, but I had to at this point. And uh, what I did was, I did it like a squeal. So here's the cool thing about circuitry. You can um, adjust noises that circuits make and make it so where they can actually make any number of different noises that you want to. So sometimes it can be a beep, it could be, um, and, and this is a cool thing about circuitry is, you know, when you know how to overload it in just a certain way and everything, um, or basically put code through that will run in certain sections, you know how the resistors, transistors, diodes, um, how these devices will react, and not only that, but the harmonics that will actually resonate with each one of these devices and everything, and how that those harmonics will resonate, even if it's unheard, they all, all resonate at a certain frequency. But the, the audible frequencies occur when these start causing a conflict. So, and this is the thing, is when you run certain code in a certain way, at that point that causes that conflict, and that becomes an audible frequency. So that's, uh, that's actually, you know, and the cool thing is you can actually start shaping noise from certain devices and everything. And, and that's what I have. I've got a, a noise shaper, you know, so it's something I don't use that often, you know, but when I'm looking for specific noises particularly, you know, most of the time I'm just looking to divert somebody's attention, you know, so I've got a common screech noise, um, you know, or a electronic fizzling noise, you know, um, but there's some other noises in there that, uh, that I have intentionally to basically make it so where, you know, is there to draw attention and to draw curiosity or to draw some kind of attention. In this case, it was a curiosity intention. You know, so um, Microsoft has long had a noise that uh, sounds like a, a door, um, a sliding door opening off and on and everything. Well, I intentionally put this noise on this one door right as I'm actually starting to go down the stairs. And nobody was looking towards the, the end of the stairs and where the computer was and everything, but I had to make sure that nobody glances over. So here's kind of like the, the difficult part about espionage, and not only that, but breaking into places, and especially places that are highly secured, is making sure attention stays in the direction that you want it to. Now, this is something that magicians have to go through as well. You know, as a magician, you know, you know, that, uh, and I'm talking about the stage magicians, the ones that uh, leverage science and, and you know, pulleys and mirrors to create the effects of, of real magic. Not saying that they're real magicians. Um, they can potentially be real magicians, but a lot of magicians work through smoke and mirrors. Well, well they'll, they'll say, hey, look at this hand over here. You know, and they'll do a whole bunch of actions over here. Meanwhile, they're doing something over here. Well, I do the same thing with my effects. Or I'll have a couple devices that are hacked in an area that will intentionally be hacked in such a way to draw attention. You know, um, and in some cases, to 
to really draw the, uh-oh, I'm really concerned about this that just came out. Well, Microsoft has a noise about a sliding door that opens and everything. And um, at this point, what I ended up doing was I created a noise for the door that I ended up uh, having that uh, based on the Microsoft sound that basically sounds like it's a, it's a door opening, a sliding door. It goes... So that's what I did for one of the doors that people were going in and out of that was actually on the other side of, uh, of where I was going by Mark Thress and, uh, and Mary, I ended up creating a resonated frequency that actually had this noise happen when that door opened and closed. Only one time. And, and it did it very loudly. You know, so at this point, I alerted everybody. So security that was starting to walk that direction and everything. Um, also, the uh, Mark and Mary both, they left what they were doing to walk over there to investigate this. You know, and the goal isn't to basically try to say somebody's been hacked or, or your stuff has been hacked or anything like that. You know, um, that question may come in there. You know, the goal more is just to basically get the curiosity. Was that, was that what I just heard? You know, that's the whole thing that I'm interested in doing. So yeah, it got everybody's attention. Magnificently. I was lucky. You know, I didn't expect it to work as well as it did, but it did. You know, and uh, that door opened and, and closed once as somebody went through. They chuckled at the noise. You know, they laughed. But meanwhile, it gets a couple people's attention, people's attention that they were engaged in their activity. And I didn't think they would see my drone skitter in real quick. I mean, that thing can zip across the floor at 30 miles an hour, you know, pretty silently and everything and wedge itself in an area. You know, it was a little hiding, hiding place that I had next to the laptop and everything that I made sure I couldn't be seen while I, I've got an extended arm that actually will go up and plug into the USB and everything and, and do it around corners, too. But, um, yeah, they ended up uh, biting onto it, and they actually walked over to investigate it. And at this point, the only thing I really have to concern myself with is just basically getting out of there. So that's what I ended up doing was, you know, I plugged it in. Um, it took, you know, maybe a grand total of, I mean, it had to boot up. Uh, it was a sl slower operating system. It was uh, Windows 10. Um it wasn't that Windows 10 and slow, it's just that it was actually on an older computer and everything, so it wasn't uh, fast to boot up, but it, it uh, reacted quickly to the boot P signal sent through. Um, I, I had both a LAN connection and a, a USB connection going to it, um, and both of them weren't secured, surprisingly. It was actually accepting USB devices freely. And at that point, I ended up uh, finding the code and making my alterations, and and uh, as a result, we uh, we now have a um, a legitimate election going on, you know, with uh, Mr. Mark Thrush, and he's not going to win. So I, I've just made sure of that. You know, I don't want uh, him to win, and you know, when it comes down to it. <coughs> so, anyways, um, the last part of it was. Uh, um, I, I was uh, working with somebody else that uh, they love theatrics and everything, and I was insistent. No theatrics. I need this to be in and out quietly. Um, we can't have any attention on this, and we can't let them know that they've been hacked at all. And uh, he assured me that what he was going to do um, would not be perceived as a hack. And I'm just like, fuck. You know, I don't trust the guy. But... Uh, 
Anyways, we made sure that I got out, and what I ended up doing was just taking the uh, taking my my little jumper, and uh, I this is you're gonna laugh at this. I've actually got a little parachute I built into the thing, a tiny little one, and uh, I ended up um, you know just basically jumping it off the uh, side of a the side of a patio and launched the parachute uh, the moment that it was out. I'm not going to waste this thing. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And and being able to get the thing back up to the rooftop, um, I mean, it's $60,000 worth of equipment. Keep that in mind. And I want this thing returned to me safely. So, you know, I've got a couple options here. You know, I mean, the, the election's that important and everything. You know, but I want this thing back. So that's... It, this thing has all kinds of devices and everything I could attach to it on, on a permission basis. That's the cool thing. So, and I can, you know... I've done, I go through the paint jobs all the time. It has a, it, basically it has a hardened plastic casing on it, and it's not necessarily a plastic, it's a, um, a carbon fiber. And uh, it's, the carbon fiber is actually bulletproof, and the cool thing is I can actually pick up different casings and everything for different paint jobs on the thing. So, you know, that, that in itself allows me to custom decorate it if I want to. So if I want to be known as a hacker, I've got you know, my own little casing around it that actually has my hacking group and everything. Anonymous, that's my hacking group, by the way. Um, you've heard of it before, right? So, anyways, um, and that's, you know, once that goes in place and everything, um, you know, in this case, like I said, I had the, uh, the white case. I've invested a lot of time, energy, and money into this thing. You know, and that's part of the thing. It's just like, you know, how is it to, I can make sure I get this out. So, in this case here, it was a pretty quick put-together and everything by one of my guys. And, uh, yeah, he came up with a tiny little parachute that can actually be, um, it can actually sense its, its uh, free fall for longer than expected. And, uh, basically, it's, we're looking at, um, more or less, if it, if it has free fall for three plus seconds at that point, it'll trigger it off, which isn't enough in some cases. And, uh, it also has a capability to be able to manually trigger it off. So, I ended up manually triggering it off once it, once I saw that it cleared the three floors. So it was on the uh, second floor at this point, and I zoomed it zoomed it to, you know, to the security, you know, I ended up diverting the security guard's attention by sending him a text right at the same time he was pointed, he was looking in a different direction to make sure that not only is he looking down, but he's also looking away, and uh, at this point I, I jumped the uh, jumped the jumper off that balcony, and at that point I ended up uh, having one of my guys catch it on the other side. So, what my other guy ended up doing was uh, he broke into the stereo equipment while I was there. And uh, I don't know if uh, you know this, if most people know this, but uh, some of the um, higher-end uh, stereo equipment, um, it, it typically has Wi-Fi that's uh, accessible to it. But he ended up going through uh, infrared. <coughs> and I've got infrared on my, uh, on my little... Uh, little device and everything, so he ended up working through that while I was working through the USB and hacking the stereo system, and the stereo system goes all throughout the entire house, and uh, as as the jumper clears, and as it's perfectly clear that uh, the entire place is, that, that I'm secure and all this stuff and everything, um, at this point he ends up doing Beethoven's fifth movement as loud as he fucking can on this entire stereo system, and it's blaring throughout the entire apartment and everything. 
So, yes, it's quite possible they can believe it's a hacker. And, um, or it's, I mean, but, you know, it's also quite possible that somebody can also think, hey, somebody sat on the remote. You know, it's one of those things that's always questionable. You know, but, uh, the only thing I was worried about was the, uh, the stereo's proximity to the, uh, to the laptop, and, you know, somebody doing an association, okay, you know, paranoid association, particularly if they're looking out for hackers, and, uh, I, I don't think they are, but, uh, we should be safe and everything. So, anyways, um, hacking a, a soon-to-be former senator, you know, is, um, kind of the fun that I had today. And keep in mind that, um, I don't know. I mean, I got my drone back in one piece. I was happy to get that back, and, uh, I was actually kind of just, just like jazzed on the whole orchestration. You know, um, I got lucky with those two cranes, you know, being there. I got extremely lucky, you know, that, uh, that we actually have been working, we just happen to be working on the, uh, sound exploits and everything, you know, and, uh, we've got a sound and audiophile, uh, technician that, uh, he loves working with sounds, and he, he leverages, uh, a lot of his spare time, um, I mean, he, he does what he does, you know, f uh, in the spare time and everything, and just basically understanding harmonics and and sound energy and, you know, how how and where sound comes from and how to actually create uh, discord and, and, and all this other funky stuff and everything that I wouldn't be able to explain to you and everything. But, you know, the cool thing is he understands how to actually translate this to code and how to be able to get the circuitry to actually work in such a way. And for him, you know, he's explained this before. He's the conductor, the circuit is, is the orchestra, and all he has to do is get them to play in the right tune, and boom, he come up with magic on, on a device that isn't supposed to have sound on it. You don't need a sound card. You don't need a... Um, <laughs> A speaker in order to create the sounds that he does, and he does it pretty well too. You know, um, typically, you know, he's he's kind of he's been pushing us to basically come up with more creative uses for the sounds, anyways. And we only did that door sound that one time, you know. So sure, you can potentially put two and two together, you know. But uh, most of the time, I think the human mind has a tendency to dismiss. Uh, something, you know, like we had 35 people in this building and everything. Um, you had a couple phones that are acting up and everything. And this isn't, isn't abnormal anyways, where somebody's phone goes off at an unexpected time or something like that. And you've got, you know, basically, we're talking about 25 workers. And one of them, you know, there's a good chance they're not going to fess up to their phone making this weird noise or something like that, or or even know that they did. So, you know, a typical human mind is going to just basically dismiss this, you know. And the thing about the, the radio, um, that was really my only concern about it, was are they going to, you know, check their systems and everything? They, they ended up not. That's ultimately what ended up happening. And... Uh, Mr. Thruss, um, lost the election, so, anyways, that's the way time works for me, you get to see things in an accelerated and different pace.
with that said, uh, I don't know. I don't have much else to say tonight. I'm a little tired. I ended up going to see uh, Mary Poppins today. Returns. Such a huge fan now of Disney and Pixar movies. <laughs> loving, just loving the whole feel-good vibe after getting done with one of these movies and everything. My mom wanted to see this, and, you know, my dad ended up going. And the cool thing is, my we've actually all been getting along pretty well lately. It's been nice. So, in any case, no progress on GTA. It crashed today for some reason, don't know why. And uh, maybe just out of neglect, I just haven't been playing with it as much as I, as I can and everything. I still got to finish up that one retro, uh, retro poster and everything. I'm gonna get back to it once I'm done with Watch Dogs 2. But I am downloading Watch Dogs 1, and I'll probably end up jumping on that after I get done. So, anyways, thank you for listening. <laughs>